Hi, today is Sunday, August 23rd, and you are listening to a mini episode of Daisy Geek Girls. I am joined by activist and author Simran Jeet Singh. So, Simran, do you want to just kind of uh, let everybody know who you are and like what you do? Yeah, sure. First, uh, thanks for having me on. Second, uh, so cool to have someone pronounce my name right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> like, when does that happen? I was like, is that my mom? I can't tell. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm a, I'm a professor and activist uh, based in New York City, and uh, I uh, work on all sorts of stuff, just doing stuff that I think is helpful, uh, really is kind of my MO. Um, I, I specialize in religion and religious history, uh, and so there's a lot around uh, minoritized and, and marginalized communities that comes up in my work historically and presently. And then at the end of the day, it's all about justice. And uh, as part of that, um, yeah, I, I, I try and do stuff that's outside of the typical traditional uh, they see expectations and also the typical traditional professor expectations. And, and one of the new projects is that's coming online this week is a, is a children's book called Boy Justin Keeps Going. And it's uh, the true story of the oldest person ever run a marathon. So it's it's super exciting for me. And it comes out this week. So, yeah. yeah it's out on Tuesday. I, I You were uh, nice enough to send me a copy of a preview of the book. And I read it this morning. And I, I didn't put this in my email to you, but I, like, cried a little bit while I was reading it. <laughs> it's like I realized that this book is clearly for, like, six- to eight-year-olds, however <laughs> – yeah, kids' books will get you like that. Like, really yeah. emotional. <laughs> but tell yeah. me, so tell me, like, why did you want to tell this story about Foja Singh? It's, it's you know, it's a very, uh, it's, a, it's a, a very inspirational story, and it's a very kind of um, wonderful and heartfelt story about this man. Uh, but why did you, why is this the story that you wanted to tell? Well, I guess I'll, I'll start by saying, like, I... I from childhood, there's been this dream in my heart of writing a kid's book. And it's, it's really been, I mean, it, it's so personal growing up in this country. I, I grew up in South Texas and like, there was no one who looked like us, right, with beards and turbans. And, and the, I mean, at the time, there weren't any South Asians there. Um, and so it was, it was incredibly isolating in that sense. And like, that's not to say that life was terrible. Like we had our friends and whatever, but I just, every time I went to a bookstore, I was like, man, if maybe there's a book on the shelf now with some, with some of our people. And like, if, if other people could just see these books, then maybe they'd see us a little bit differently. And it's not like, it wasn't like this, I'm a victim and I, and I want people to see me as human. It was more like, I just want people to appreciate like what, what our culture is like, or like what our lives are like, and whether that's our like South Asian Desi culture, Punjabi culture, or if it was just like, I'm just a dude who lives in Texas, whatever, right? Like it could be any, any kind of story, but there were none. And so that, that was like a promise I made to myself as a kid, um, that I would, that I would do something about that. And so, uh, 30 years later when my daughter was born, it was like, go back to those same bookshelves at the stores and the libraries and see that nothing has changed. And you're like, Oh God, like, I better do something about that if I, if I don't want my kids to feel the same way. So I think that was like why, why a kid's book and then, and then for just story itself, like it is probably the most inspiring, like personally for me, uh, the, the thing that has changed my life more than anything, his story. Um, and so it was when he crossed the finish line of 
of the Toronto Marathon at the age of 100. That was the same day I signed up for my first marathon. And it was it was like it was kind of it was like partially out of inspiration and partially out of shame. <laughs> that's so <laughs> that's so this <dizzy>, like <laughs> like I'm inspired, but also I feel super guilty. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. In my, in my head, there was like something being like, "Beta, if he can do it, why can't you do it?" Right. So, <laughs> so yeah, that's when I signed up, and that's when I started running, and like running for anyone who's done it and like we all have stuff like this in our lives but like you find that thing that gives you some sort of discipline and inspiration and daily joy like for me it's very much and I think about this a lot in the pandemic like it's very much part of my mental health practice like getting out for a run every day and like I didn't have that before and so yeah I'm, I'm just super grateful to him for doing this for me and then the last thing I'll say is as I started learning more about his story, uh, right, like he was like this global celebrity who, you know, he's sponsored by Adidas and, you know, featured by Nestle and like a bunch of companies, like he was like a big celebrity. Um, and, and probably the first that I'd seen who like, from a sick background, who I could see and who is respected among his peers in his sport. Um, but then I started digging into his story and his, his life story is just so rich with lessons and the kinds of lessons that I wanted to pass on to my kids. So like perseverance and, and resilience and aspects of inclusion and, and, you know, things like that. And, and so the more I learned about him, the more I was like, this is, this is what our kids, this is the kind of story our kids need to hear. One thing I really, really enjoyed about it is that it's not kind of like a, a linear, like, growth of like he tried really hard and then he was great there are you illustrate the stumbles that he comes across and there are very like for a children's book especially like lovely like quiet moments where he's sad and you let him you let that sadness exist on the page which we don't often get to see those moments in picture books like why was that important to you well I think part of it probably has to do with my own situation as a parent right now like I have two daughters who are two and four and so you think I mean I think through this book thought a lot about what I think about in parenting which is how do I introduce my kids gently into reality without giving them a false sense of reality without lying to them about what life is like and so like it's not fair, right? It, it's it's I, I as parent I, and as an educator, I, I think it's not fair, and I felt like it was unfair uh, when my teachers taught me one story about Columbus, and then I got to college and I heard the other side of it. And I was like, oh man, I can't believe everyone's been lying to me all these years. Like it was so messed up. And so part of it is it's realizing how dangerous it is for relationships, but also how. Um, how dangerous it is for our own psychologies, right? When you get betrayed like that. So, so all of this is to say, um, I want to be honest. And I think we need to, like as a society need to be more honest with our kids and scaffold their understandings and, and speak to them in ways that give them more credit mm-hmm. okay. um, than, than we do typically, right? Like my four-year-old is, I mean, she's, it's not that she's exceptional, but she understands what sadness is and what pain is and like, it may not be the same kind of sadness. It's not the same kind of, it's not the same experiences in life that, that we might have, but she knows those feelings and, and they really help us understand human life. And so that was really important. I think the other piece of it is 
like Foja Singh's life was very difficult. Mm-hmm. It, it, it has been very difficult. He's still alive. He's 109 now. Um, but he had some real difficulties in his life. And, you know, his, his experiences with disability, even when you talk to him now, painful, like really painful, especially in the early 1900s in a village in India where like to be disabled was to be ostracized within your community. Um, when his, when his wife and son died and he moved to a new country, uh, and he didn't know anyone and how lonely he felt like that was depression. And and again, like, I don't want to talk to four year olds about depression, but they understand loneliness and they can understand sadness. And so it was, it was, we were trying to be really thoughtful about being honest and authentic to his story and also being honest with the kids who are reading it in a way that helped them understand human behavior in, in a way that, I guess, last thing I'll say, what I really want to do and what I really try to do in my work is just help people connect with, with anyone they see as different, right? Like, how do, I, how do I humanize these people? And part of what makes us human um, is the variety of our, of our emotional experiences. And, and I wanted to, to present that to our kids as like, here's a real person. He's not a flattened stereotype. He's not just, he's not just one thing. He's not just a runner. He's not just his achievements. He's, he's a combination of everything, just like we all are. I guess something, another way that comes across in the text is, um, reading it, it felt very much for us, for, for that Daisy community. There were, you know, everyone can enjoy the book. It is not like you're going to read it and not, you know, understand what the story is, but there was no othering of the culture or of, of Sikhism, you know, no asides to explain cultural terms or, or specifics. And that's pretty new, um, when it comes to especially like publishing at such a young age, you're for such a young age, we're not often thought of as the main audience for anything. You know, people aren't like, we, we got to get that like really important Daisy community like to get in the seats. You know, we're not, we're, we're often like, yes, the Asian community needs to be involved here. Um, so that, that really struck me as something very new and very like exciting, uh, within this picture book. So what was the thought process behind that decision and, and what kind of conversations did you have to have? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I can't imagine it being possible without the team that we had. And the reason I say that is because, um, and, you know, to my knowledge, this is the first children's book to be produced by a by an all-South Asian team. It was um, myself as the author, Baljinder Gore as the illustrator, my agent, Anushri Prasanna, and the editor of Kokila, uh, Namrata Tripathi. So to have four people on the same page about what it means to talk about a Desi hero, a South Asian hero, like, that's cool. But what's even cooler is for us to be able to call each other out in moments where, and, and you know, I was guilty of this and I got called out, um, in moments where I was where I was writing to the the white gaze. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, the thing about writing is, especially having grown up in the States, like you don't realize you're doing it. You're, this is just how we've been taught to write. Um, and so there were moments in which my editor was like, why, why did you use this word? Like, why don't you just use the word Punjabi word, which is like the English word is, is a, there's no, there's no appropriate translation. Mm-hmm. Right? There's no word where it goes to. And so she was like, just use the original Punjabi. 
And then we would have conversations about what should we italicize it or not? Like, do we want to normalize it or do we want to, like, if we can understand certain words in other languages, then certainly like we can start introducing new ones. So it was like a lot of this was thought through as, as a political act of resistance in some way, at least for me, maybe I just tell myself that to feel cooler. No, I, th- I think it genuinely <laughs> is. I do. Yeah. But I, I, I'm really glad you picked up on And like, I, I, I don't think, people who aren't used to being invisibilized like us would pick up on that, right? Like they'd just be like, oh, of course you would, you know, do this or that or whatever. Like, of course you would use an original, Mm -hmm. like talked about, should we have a glossary? And I was like, no, why do we need a glossary? Like things are in context and people can figure it out or look it up or ask, right? Like just like anybody else. So yeah, I, I think that it was a really interesting process for me that um, to think about what it looks like to normalize our experiences. And, and maybe more important that, than that was to give our own communities a sense of empowerment to say, oh, we don't always have to explain ourselves or we don't always have to justify our existence. And like that to me feels really fresh. And I, I love the feeling of confidence that comes out of that. Yeah, it made me think of like conversations I've had in recent very recently with um, non-Indian friends or, or, you know, non, like people outside of our community where I'll say something religious or something cultural that I understand and they'll be like, I've never heard of that before. And I was like, how wonderful would it be if they had had access to literature or media that gave them a fuller represent, like a representation of what America is which is all of us like it's not just this like one perspective so that I feel like what's so great about it is that kids are really going to feel seen you know when they go home and have Prasad they're going to be like oh that's this is in the book yeah exactly and like so that's been the coolest thing so over the over the past few weeks I've been reading the book to Punjabi school classes virtually like on Sunday mornings (laughs) and it's been I, I don't I don't have the right word for it. Like it's not it's not that it's refreshing. It's like enlivening. Like I go in and like you know you're it's Sunday morning. You're tired, whatever, and you go in and you read this book. And these kids are just like you know kids read a book and and usually like in in other audiences where I read this book, they're like oh I run I like running you know I exercise at school whatever. The kids in these classes are so excited to see themselves represented that they're like they're talking about the culturally specific things that they do at home, right? There's this moment um, that comes up every time I do this with, with Punjabi kids, uh, with sick kids, where his, for dressing as a child, his grandmother's combing his hair with a ganga, like a wooden ganga, and his head, like his head is tilted forward and his hair is coming over his head. It's like exactly how, exactly how my mom used to do my hair every morning growing up. And those, like those kids, every single time talk about that one illustration. And it's not, I mean, it can't be about anything other than they just feel seen, right? And that's, I mean, we're, we're learning more through research and social science research, like how much, how much, how much that matters. Mm -hmm. But, but even then, like, I think it's, you only really understand it when you feel, when you felt it, when you, when you've been invisibilized, then you can really value what it is to be seen, right? And I think that's that's what I'm seeing with these kids. That's amazing because there's, I, I'm not sure that there's anything 
better in the world than kids excited about books. It is like one of my favorite experiences that I've ever had or, or ever get to have is witnessing when a kid picks up a book and is like, this is so important and this is going to be important to me for the rest of my life. And I think that's what that those moments do is remembering, yeah. right? Is you have that instance of like, I will never forget this moment of being like, I, I do that. Mm-hmm. And and that's it's just really exciting. It's really exciting that this book exists and is is going to be like on bookshelves just for people to pick up. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's that's been an interesting thing for me to think about. That I'm I'm definitely like I'm I'm totally transparently I'm most excited for Daisy kids to get this because it's like what it will do for them psychologically is it's. There's like not there's nothing else like it. But what's been interesting for me has been seeing the impact it can have on like kids of all backgrounds. And and so you know, part of my thesis in, in my work and with this book is that if we can learn to see the humanity in those who seem the most unfamiliar to us, this those who seem most different, then we can learn to see the humanity in everyone we encounter. And in a context where <laughs> political context where um, dehumanization is, I mean, so common across the board, I, it's it's such an important it's such an important thing we all need to figure out how to engage. And what I'm seeing as I, especially when I presented it at my my daughter's preschool for the first time, like the way that those kids now think about me as their classmate's dad as like someone who could potentially be a hero as opposed to someone who is potentially someone to be afraid of. Like that's a total shift in their cognizance. And and it's a total shift in my own experience of the world. And so that to me is like, you know, it's, it's so common for books like this to be set aside and like, Mm -hmm. this is a book for South Asian kids and all the South Asian kids will have it. But like, I have always envisioned this as a book for everyone. And the more I see it in the world and the more I see books like this in the world, like the more important, the more, the more clear it is of its importance as a book for people of all backgrounds, right? Mm -hmm. Not, not, Not just the people who see themselves in it. I think it's, it's going to be added to like a very great tradition that's growing in the children's lit community. You know, you mentioned Namrata at Kokila. Kokila is a really, really exciting imprint at Penguin, um, specifically created to engage with these kinds of conversations around children's publishing, which is to have a more inclusive and representative space, not just to validate our own voices, but to to share our experiences with, with people outside of our communities. Um, it, it takes me back to uh, one of my favorite speeches, which an author named Alex Gino gave at the Stonewall Awards back in 2017 who knows time is not real anymore (laughs) but a couple years ago Alex wrote a book called George um, which is the first middle grade book about a trans character and in their speech at the Stonewall Awards they said that you know if there is a moment where a child reads this and they grow up and they're walking down the street as like you know a trans person at two in the morning and somebody sees them and somebody sees them who has read the book George and then nothing happens. 
because they are a person and they are a human being and there's no there's nothing to fear there and that's what these books can do for us and that's really exciting because there isn't one like this right now so we're still making new frontiers like we're still we're, we're still crossing these new frontiers in 2020 which is sad but also exciting yeah no that's a, it's a really that's such a powerful story and i had this experience with my daughter the other day i was i was picking up the book to or i was actually tying my turban and talking to her as i was getting ready uh, for a reading um and i was asking her i was like how does it make you feel to have this have this book about digesting and she was like and she's like super um curious and engaged so like i was just like how do you feel and usually she would like respond and she didn't she was like thought for a little bit and she was like i i don't know and i was like what do you mean like i was like <laughs> i was like some validation right so i was like does it make you feel excited does it make you feel sad <laughs> um and she was like you know what it it doesn't really make me feel anything and i was like why not and she was like well i have all these I have all these books on my shelf of characters with, with her. Like I have all these books of these like six and, and bases on my shelf. Like it's, it's, it seems fine. And like on the one hand, I was super disappointed. I didn't, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't get the love and, that I was looking for uh, to pump me up for my, for my event. But on the other hand, um, like I thought about it and what she was saying basically was like in our house specifically, mm -hmm. like, these representations are normalized and like that's that's the goal right like what you want is for our kids to be at a place where it's not extraordinary mm -hmm. to have a book like how ridiculous is it that you and I grew up in a world where like we didn't have that like it's Nothing. you know so yeah and so so much of this is about like yes it's cool to be the first and it's cool to like make this like to make this into a new space for folks and for ourselves uh, but on the other hand like yeah, what, what I really want is for this to feel like nothing, like my daughter was saying, right? Like, I, not just in my household, but in every household where we have diverse stories and diverse communities and, like, everyone's represented and everyone's seen as, like, part of our society. Like, mm -hmm. I, think it's I do love the idea of your daughter being like, what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm sure I'll get that when she's, like, 13, but she's only four right now. She's supposed to, like, supposed to suck up to me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. So are there, you know, uh, we talked a lot about your work, but are there other uh, Desi activists or authors you think people should know about or even just kind of South Asian creatives or, or people you wish more people were aware of or our, our listeners should follow? Yeah, well, I hope everyone knows about Preeti Chibber. Her <laughs> new book is coming out. <laughs> <laughs> on the same day as mine right yeah the, isn't it wild that there are like literally probably five years ago you could count the number of south asian authors who were published on one hand who were wow. actively being published at the same time and now we have two wildly disparate projects coming out from south asian authors on the same day in children's life i think it's awesome so cool yeah exactly i mean it speaks to what we were saying before like the more it's it's cool right now, and then hopefully we'll get to a point where it's not even cool because it's like yeah, of course, like yeah, people, whatever, right? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So anyway, breathe each other. She's cool. Um, okay, let me let me think. So a, a book that I read recently. I'll, I want to talk for a moment about like South Asian American um, activism and caste kind of stuff, mm -hmm. um, and dealing with whiteness and white supremacy. So there's a cool book I just read by a woman named Kathy Joshi. 
Um, she's a scholar of religion in America. She has a book called White Christian Privilege. Um, it just came out this summer. I really like it. Uh, learned a lot from it. Um, and so that's that's a good one. And then the, the classics in, in that space, right? There's Vijay Prashad, the Karma of Brown Folks. There's Vivek Bald, Bengali Harlem, and the Lost Histories of South Asian America. I, those ones I teach, and I love teaching those. Um, equality Labs. There's, there's a lot of cool, important conversations happening around caste and colorism and race. So Equality Labs is a huge place there, and Dalit Diva is great. Uh, Deepa Iyer is probably known mm -hmm. to, most, <laughs> to most of us, and, and Amar Bala, um, those are big ones. And then there's, there's another uh, really cool up-and-coming scholar doing a lot of public stuff named Srina Gandhi. Uh, she's based at Michigan State, and um, she's doing some work around yoga and whiteness. Ooh, uh, ooh. And so, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> all, all the dorks go, ooh. Yeah, we do. <laughs> Like, so interesting. <laughs> yeah. Shrina, Shrina's great, and she's on she's on Twitter. I think Shrina Niketa is her handle. Um, but yeah, I really like her stuff as well. Oh, and she's part of a group called the Antilectuals. <laughs> like progressive, they see women in the scholarship of religion who are doing really cool stuff. So yeah, Antilectuals. I love sure. that so much. I'm like so jealous that I can't be in that group. <laughs> I know, Uncle Lectuals doesn't sound as good as Auntie Lectuals. Nothing with Uncle sounds cool. <laughs> no, nothing with Uncle sounds good. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's amazing. Um, all right, to, to, I guess, kind of wrap things up on a high note, uh, what are some of your favorite things to geek out over? Um, to geek out over, I'm, yeah, geek out is an interesting verb for me because I'm not like a... I'm not super expressive emotionally, but what, okay, so what, what gets me going? Um, so sports for sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm big in sports. Um, grammar. That's probably like the geekiest thing. Like I, I live with like people who don't, who, who enjoy literature, but don't like care about, like they're not invested in it. They'll just like, <laughs> you know, you read a book, whatever you learn. Um, but like grammar is fun for me. Uh, I think it goes back to like my days of studying Sanskrit and Arabic and whatever, where like grammar is intense. And so, um, yeah, grammar, I like poetry. Uh, that's probably another thing I geek out over, like a good poem gets me going. Ja, good ja. <laughs> um, and I'm just like randomly listing things. No, like. but it be like, we absolutely geek out over Chai, like hundred percent. Oh, yeah. uh, I'm trying to think of like the weirder things that's because like when I say that DC Geek Girls is very much swept now Christian and I being like we like this thing no one else wants to talk about it and we want a space to talk about it like swept will be like I watched bicycle races on YouTube for an hour and a half oh my god <laughs> so it's like literally anything that you are excited about and into like we are happy to hear about okay so, so like the, the obvious one as a dad of like young kids is like, I can talk about like their like bowel movements for days, <laughs> <laughs> but I wouldn't say like, that's, that's probably like just an average parent thing. Everyone's like unsubscribed. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I can talk about, I can talk about a jar for like hours. A jar. We went yesterday, my cousins came by and brought us this fresh Ambadajar mango, mango, oh my God. fresh matis. And it was just like, I mean, I can't stop eating them. I probably gained like 30 pounds in the last 24 hours. 
But yeah, that stuff, that stuff I could talk about. No problem. (laughs) (laughs) No, we can, we can, someone actually texted me the other day and she's like, my mom's teaching me how to pickle things. Oh yeah. Yeah. Get ready. (laughs) That's like the next level of the pandemic. Next thing you know, like all the white folks are going to have like, their house. Yeah. My brother just sent me a huge thing. I think he got it off Amazon of of Nimbuichar. So yeah, he knows, he knows how to keep me happy. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, have you, there was, I guess, Kevin Bacon went on, like, TikTok or something recently and did, like, a, a chili mango, like, he invented it, and everybody was like, <laughs> you did not create this, sir. That's hilarious. <laughs> so That's- I'm waiting for that, like, mango pickle edition. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, that, sounds like a, that sounds like a fun article to write. <laughs> like, like a nice little essay on the invention of, of mango pickling. In, in the pandemic period. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, that's another thing. I could talk about, like, colonialism. History is, like, a big one for me. I could talk about history forever, but especially, like, my specialty is South Asian religious history. Mm-hmm. Man, that stuff, that stuff is, I'm all about that. And then get me started on colonialism, and I, yeah, I can't stop. I, I do think it's so fascinating. Like, I'm a huge... A uh, fan of what <laughs> I like religious fiction a lot. I really enjoy reading. Like the Last Temptation of Christ is like one of my favorite books. Like it's okay. it's it's so weird and random, but I love it. So that I I think it's so important for us, and I think a lack of historical context is like ninety five percent of the reason this like we exist as we do right now. <laughs> You mean as a country? Yep. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's it's, it's, it's funny because I, I feel like a lot of a lot of folks in every industry could say that, right? Like my wife's a physician, and she'd be like, "Wouldn't be in this mess if if we paid attention to medicine and health and whatever, right?" But like mm-hmm. maybe science, maybe science is the answer there. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I really feel strongly that like the it goes beyond the, you know, if you don't learn from the lessons of history or human mistake, like it goes, it's like right now we're at a point where it's like beyond that level. Yes. It's like we're, we're whatever. But one of the nice things for me as a historian is, you know, we always make the argument that time is not, or history and human development is not linear. Mm-hmm. And like we all, like as a society, we just assume we're always progressing and we're better and we're better than people were in the past, whatever. But like, now I feel like people are like, oh, yeah, I understand what regression is. Like, <laughs> we suck more than we used to suck. <laughs> History. We suck more now than we used to suck. <laughs> the title of this podcast. <laughs> um, all right. Those are all the questions I had for you. Do you, do you have anything else you want to add that I like didn't ask you about? No, that's it. I'm glad. Well, I can. I'm glad you didn't ask me about your book, but I... <laughs> I was ready to confess, and now that I'm ready, I may as well say it. Um, I tried to read Britney's book. I mean, I did read Britney's book. I tried to understand it, uh, whatever you sent me, but I'm not a Star Wars person. I'm not a Star Wars person. Um, So I've, like, everyone, you know, everyone in life is a Star Wars person, and so you have to try not to be into it. And, yeah, I just, I I recognize Luke Skywalker's name in Anakin Anakin Skywalker. Yeah. But that was it. And then there was... uh, P A D M E. Padme. I was thinking Padma. Padma. Like Padma like, like Lakshmi. <laughs> Anakin's wife, Padma Lakshmi. 
Yeah, life is beautiful and the story was beautiful. I was just trying to understand, like I was trying to put the characters together and I you probably assumed a background knowledge that I didn't have. <laughs> I Yeah, I was laughing really hard. It's it's so the Star Wars, the clone, it's, it's actually like an added level because it's Star Wars, the Clone Wars, which is like an animated series that takes place like oh, in cool. between the movies. It's like not even the movies. That's hilarious. Okay, got it. <laughs> Well, that's my nephews that I talk to you, and they're going to be jealous, and then I'll talk, I'll confess to them that I didn't know anything, and then they're going to. <laughs> <laughs> that's the way to do it. Just, just it doesn't matter like what it is. Just be like, I got this thing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. You don't have to admit that you don't know anything. No, never admit it. Just, just go forward. <laughs> uh, all right. Do you want to let people know where they can find you and and how they can access your work? Uh, sure. I'm, uh, I'm on social media way too much. My handle is sick prof, S I K H P R O F. And, um, the new book is called for keeps going the true story of the oldest person to ever run a marathon. Uh, it's available anywhere books are sold. Yeah. Check it out. You can look, buy it from your local indie, or if you don't have a local indie bookshop.org will get you access to a local independent bookstore. Um, I guess until next time, I'm Preeti Chibber. Thanks so much for listening. You can follow Desi Geek Girls at Desi Geek Girls basically everywhere. Uh, sign up for our Patreon, patreon.com slash Desi Geek Girls. And until next time, I will see you in hell. Hey.